doing something. We may even do something next week. But something I want to share with you tonight, Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, plus, I announce I'm going to preach and people don't come back. So I might just go back to showing movies on Sunday night. No, I want to just share with you Isaiah chapter 40. just want to share something with you and encourage you. Also, I believe that God is wanting to build passion in our hearts. I believe that as you can tell, you can sense in the atmosphere, you can feel the buzz in the atmosphere as people are coming in and there's something happening and going on. And there's something I want to share and impart into you tonight. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, oh, this is the message translation. Comfort, oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak softly and tenderly to Jerusalem, but also make it very clear that she has served her sentence, that her sin is taken care of, forgiven. Somebody shout out forgiven. Forgiven. She's been punished enough, more than enough, and now it's over and done with. Uh, Can you imagine being locked up and my brother works as a guard at a prison and others have... Brother Buddy, they're not here tonight, but the prison ministry. Many of you have had prison ministries either on one side of the bars or the other. And isn't it something? Can you imagine being in that place if somebody comes up and says, you've been punished enough. Jesus, the Messiah, came and said, the Satan has come and still killed and destroyed enough out of your life. The power and the authority is released and being released upon your life to break the hindrances and break the power of the enemy over your life. And he's saying here, comfort, comfort my people. God's heart never changes towards his people. How many know we can backslide and we can turn and we can go away? And the Father is still speaking um, comfort. Speak comfort to my people. I want to draw them back. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Oh, I thank God that God loved me enough to send His Son and send His Son for you and I. And it says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak softly and tenderly, but also make it clear. She has been served her, she has served her sentence. I just release that over you tonight in the name of Jesus. And those listening by internet and those listening by CD, I release that over you tonight. The sentence of the curse has been broken over you. Raise your hands and receive that. Comfort my people. The sentence of the curse has been broken over you. The results of maybe bad decisions be broken over you. Things that have been trying to follow you. Things that have been connected to you. Be broken. The Lord is speaking comfort. Comfort to my people in Jesus' name. Because how can we comfort people unless we are comforted? How can we minister to the needs of others unless our needs are being ministered so that it can flee free, things can flow freely into the lives? And listen, we, listen, every one of us, we, we've got, don't forget, we've got to fast and we've got to pray for the services and for the atmosphere, for the worship, for the preaching, for the altar call, for the ministry. I'm talking to some mature people here tonight, some hungry people here tonight. The importance to join in and let's fast and pray because listen, it is amazing and I'm not I can't even tell the the wonderful people who are coming into our church, their testimonies, 
their past, their situations. They're wonderful people, but the things they have lived through and the things they are fighting and coming into my office. And as we were in the emergency room, I was thinking that even this week we had an emergency room here at the church. People coming in with things that I, I can't even go into as they just were coming in and just opening and sharing my, their heart and so many other things. And, and we as a body, and we're getting working on more ushers and more greeters and, and getting different ministries going. We're so honored to have Sister Dorothy who has the ministry Arise, which uh, feeds uh, uh, the hungry and minister to needs and, and, and many different other areas. And, and we want to start blessing her and helping them with food and clothing and so many other things because she takes in people. There's not enough room in the house where she's living for people. There are people sleeping in their trucks behind the building. And that's going on right now. And they've been coming this time. And we're so honored to have them. And, and we just got different things going on that we want to be a part of. But he's saying the sentence... The sentence that has been served over you is finished. And the sin that has been taken care of, forgiven. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. She's been punished enough and more than enough. And now it's over and done with. So scriptures I wanted to share with you this morning. I'll just read them to you quickly. In uh, Micah 7.19. That's what you love most. Compassion is on its way to us. You'll stamp out our wrongdoing and you'll sink our sins to the bottom of the ocean. How many are thankful that sins can be sunk to the bottom of the ocean? But not only sins, depression, hate, anger, addiction, whatever we may be fighting can be sunk to the bottom of the ocean. I was going to use this, that pride can be sunk to the bottom of the ocean. It says in Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. How many can praise the Lord about that tonight? Come on, can you, come on, can you get excited that he says, I'll throw one, in one scripture he's saying, I'll throw your sins to the bottom of the ocean. And then another scripture he's saying, I'll remember your sins no more. You'll go, God, forgive me. What sins? Well, you know what I did. No, I don't remember that. I've forgotten those sins and I released you from the sentence of those sins. Isn't that good news? It goes on to say in Isaiah 43, 25, but I, yes, I am the one who takes care. I take care of your sins by nails in his hands and his feet. I take care of your sins. That's what I'll do. I don't keep a list of your sins. The living says, I never think of them again. I don't keep a list of your sins. Is that good news tonight? I don't keep a list of your sins. The world needs to hear this type of good news. I don't keep a list of your sins. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 8 verse 12. For I will be merciful toward your iniquities and I will remember your sins no more. Hebrews chapter 10 Verse 16, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. Once sins are taken care of for good, there's no longer any need to offer sacrifices for them. Right now, just praise God that all of your sins, all of your sins yesterday, today, and forever are under the blood of Jesus. When we mess up, we can just plead the blood of Jesus and go. He says, your sins and iniquities, I'll remember no more. You see, we're, we're getting ready to go in as far as people's homes and touch people's lives and where this church is getting ready 
ready to go as a church and the different things God is calling us to. And, and I shared with you this morning, my heart's desire, Lord, make this auditorium your living room. Just make it a living room where people could come and just feel accepted and relaxed. And they feel like, man, I could just go in the refrigerator in that church. I could just go there and be myself. I just feel like I'm at home. That's what the Spirit of God is wanting to do in this church. I'm telling you, it's in the air. God is wanting this church to be a haven. Like I shared this morning, there's not only the homeless, but there's a homeless as far as people not having a home church and a body and, and people that they could call their brothers and their sisters and their mom and dad in times of need. They're disconnected. They're hurting and they're wanting people. And so many times people, you know, I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to go to church. When I get good enough, I'll go to church. When I get good enough, I'll seek counsel. When I overcome that, I'll call somebody. But he's saying, no, comfort my people. Call upon me right now in your hour of need. There's power in my blood that is able to erase and cleanse and wash even the most vile sinner and make them clean and white as snow. Amen, church. That's what God's heart is. Listen, I want to tell you something. No matter what you're seeing, no matter what's going on, no matter how wicked it is, it says gross darkness will cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord is going to be seen. It says it says that the people that dwell in darkness will see a great light. It said the people who want sat in darkness will see a great light. The Word of God says that where, where the, the more darkness is, the more mercy is going to be. I want to tell you something. This world is still the world of our God. God. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son and His Son came for the world. His Son is still here for the world and His Son is going to be throughout eternity for the world. We're not giving this world over to the devil and hell and saying the world is going to hell. But we're saying that this world is going to see a revival and see a move of God like it's never seen before. Why? We ought to get excited. I don't know about you. You may be perfect people, but I just thank God all my sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. And that's the message that the world's need to hear. Listen, church. All of us forgiven ones. All of us with our states wiped clean. All of us who have been forgiven. Only 95% of the church is witnessing. Only 95%, no, 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 95% of the church is not witnessing. Only 5% of the forgiven, the redeemed, the healed, the loved, the wanted, the cherished, the ones going to heaven. Only 5% are telling others about Jesus. Only 5% even care. We heard this guy sing, Kumbaya, my Lord. Somebody's going to hell, my Lord. Kumbaya. We sit around, we stand around and we sing Kumbaya. And we have our little parties and we do our little things. And people are dying and they're going to hell. Five percent are witnessing. Look with me in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Don't get quiet on me. I know the time went up an hour and you're not used to it yet. But this is important to the Father. Our lives and the people out there's lives cost him his only begotten son. I didn't get into it, but that scripture I shared this morning, it says, we shall behold him upon the cross and weep as if it would be our firstborn child. 
There's people here who have lost their firstborn. There's some mothers and fathers who have lost their babies. That's something you don't ever get over. But anyone who's ever lost a child never lost a child on purpose. God purposely sent his son to die on the cross for you and I. And God looked at his son as he played in Bethlehem as a little boy. Just like we looked at our little boys. I had a picture of my oldest up here today. God had pictures of his up. With my little boy. It's my little boy that I sin. I see him smile. I listen to him laugh. I, I rejoice. Look, there's my boy. But all the time, I sent my boy. He's going to grow into a man. And at 33 years of age, he's going to die the most horrible death for mankind. And my people can't rejoice enough. My people are not praising me enough. I want them to give their lives for me. I want them to witness about all that I've done for them. I want them to tell others about me. It says in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, And Jesus passed on from there. Listen now. He saw a man. He saw a man. He saw a tax collector. The people saw a tax collector and they saw a conniving, lying, cheating, betrayal of a man. A man who would betray his own people for the money. The tax collectors was known as the worst of the worst. The tax collectors was despised and rejected by everybody because he was a Jew, but yet he was stealing from the Jews to satisfy the Romans and satisfy himself. But Jesus saw a man who was empty. Jesus saw a man who was hurting. Jesus saw a man who was lonely. Jesus saw a man who needed a savior. Listen, Jesus saw a man who needed a purpose. This man had money and he had houses. I'll just call him right now a North American. He had the houses, he had the cars, he had the money, he had the bank account, he had the credit cards, he had the clothes, and he had the friends who followed him just because he had the money. But he was lonely because he knew that nobody was around him except for the money because he was so despised. Who would want to be around somebody despised, rejected, and not wanted? Everybody saw somebody who was not worth anything. Jesus saw a man. Jesus sees a boy. Jesus sees a girl. She may be walking Bolton Avenue, but Jesus sees a girl. They may be going by the crack house once again, but Jesus sees a boy. They may be going through a divorce or they may be fighting for a child, but Jesus sees a man and he sees a woman. He sees a purpose. He sees a plan. He sees somebody that he can take and he can take them and he can rescue them. He says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. I'm telling you, he sees what and them what he saw in his child as a child he said I remember my son at that age I love you I sent my son for you he is here with a purpose to bring purpose in people's life he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him follow me and so he rose and he followed him and it happened there's a purpose as Jesus sat at the table at in the house That behold, many tax collectors, many betrayers, many unwanted people, many despised people, and sinners, and sinners. Somebody just shouted out, sinners. Outcast. Came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, they wouldn't tell Jesus, but they'd go to his disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But Jesus heard and he said to them, those who are well 
have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, but go and learn from this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. He was saying, you rejected me already. Because I don't play your game and I don't play your denomination and I don't play your religion. I've come for the outcast of the hurting. I've come for anybody who's going to want me. And I'll be comfortable. I'm more comfortable with the sinners than I am with you white-robed hypocrites. You think sacrifices satisfy my father. But it's extending and giving mercy and love that satisfies my father. For he has said from the very beginning, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Yeah, but you eat with sinners. In fact, you look comfortable with sinners. I imagine Jesus would have said, I am. It's for them I came. You think I just came to make the already righteous feel even more righteouser and girder? No. I've come to seek the man and the woman and the child, the drug addict, the prostitute who's about ready to be stoned, the woman who's had five husbands is now living with someone. Just, I have come for the sinners because the sinner are the seekers. You righteous big rags, y'all aren't seeking me. But there's a woman at a well who's with her sixth man. She is seeking something, and I am what she's seeking. These people who live in pagan lands, and oh, look how pagan, look how heathen they are. They go and bow down to them, gods. How can they do that? And God says, wait a minute, they're seeking me. When I was in Honduras, the Lord gave me a song and part of the chorus went, they search and search for the unknown God, but never the satisfaction of finding me. But if they only do, knew of my only son and what he did for Calvary, how will they know unless you go to them? And how will they hear unless you tell? For I've commanded you to go into all the world, bringing liberty to the captives and freedoms to their soul. And part of the other chorus goes, for I am their father. And they are known by me. Yet it in their heart is a longing that shall never be satisfied unless you go and you tell them of me. They search and they search for the unknown God. They search it through cocaine. They search it through relationships. They search it through money. But they're dying and they're hurting inside. And he says, the sick need my medicine." The sick need my love. The sick need my attention. You're already comfortable with what you have. I've come to seek the sick. And that's how we as a body have to prepare ourselves to be nurses and to be doctors and to be helpers and to be on call and to be volunteers. Because we've got people who have had something worse than Katrina in their life since they were a little girl. Katrina's and Rita's come and go, but there are things that happen at two and three and five and eight years old. That only God can heal those hurts in their lives. Share a few things with you. A small church on the 
East Coast, a pastor delivered a sermon on abortion. And after the service, a German man who had lived in Nazi Germany told his experience. This sounds like the church. Listen, I lived in Germany during the Nazi Holocaust. I considered myself a Christian. We heard stories of what was happening to the Jews, but we tried to distance ourselves from it. Because what could anyone do to stop it? A railroad track ran behind our small church, and each Sunday morning we could hear the whistle of the distance when the wheels covering our track, coming over the tracks. We became disturbed when we heard the cries coming from the train as it passed by. We realized that it was carrying Jews like cattle in the cars. Week after week, the whistle would blow. We dreaded to hear the sound of those wheels because we knew we would hear the cries of the Jews in the route to death camp, and their screams tormented us. We knew the time the train was coming, and when we heard the whistle blow, we began singing hymns. By the time the train came past our church, we were singing to the top of our lungs. If we heard the screams, we sang more loudly, and soon we heard them no more. Years have passed on, and no one talks about it anymore. But I still hear the train whistle in my sleep. God, forgive me. Forgive us all, for we called ourselves Christians and yet did nothing. Let's sing louder so we don't have to hear about what's happening over there. Let's sing louder so we don't have to hear the cries. Let's close our eyes and, and, and let's just, no, we don't want to hear about those problems. We want things that are good. We want to hear things that are good. We want to hear things that comfort us. And the word God says, no comfort that people who have been condemned to a sentence and a life of death and suffering. The sick need the physician. The Salvation Army Commander William Booth, if you never read his materials, it's awesome. He, he prayed that each one of his men could spend at least one day in hell. They would be the best soul winners there would be. William Booth was subject to some of the most persecution Christians suffered to modern times, but the general lived to see the day his army would be honored around the world. His own King Edward Seventh invited him to Buckingham Palace in 1904. All the persecution and trials of the previous decades must have seemed insignificant to Booth as he heard King Edward say, You are doing a good work, a great work, General Booth. The king asked Booth to write his autograph in his album, and the old man, now 75, bent forward on the pen and summed up his life work. He said, Your Majesty, some men's ambition is art, some men's ambition is fame, and some men's ambition is gold. But my ambition... Is the souls of men. May God give us a hunger and a thirst and a stirring. May this church become more awake than ever. Not just for the missions, but here in our own area. For those coming in our church. I so appreciate Brother Bob and Sister Kay and, and Brother Art and those who stay into today. You know... They kept us at the altar. And another one said, I need prayer. Would you pray for me? And I went home and I'll have to bring my suit to the cleaners. Isn't that so bad? Because I got a man's snot all over my jacket. So I got to send my suit to the cleaners because it's all dirty. And, and how could I, 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 I'm not supposed to get dirty. And, and, and here the man is weeping and crying on my shoulder. I tell you what the heck with all the formality and the looks. We all have to be willing to get dirty and get on their level and minister to them. Because Jesus saw the man, the woman, and the 
child who is hurting. And we've done enough of singing and looking the other way. It's time to reach out and touch. Because listen, it wouldn't take much for a church to turn this country around to where every, whether they start mistrusting this politician or this man or this woman. Everybody's going saying promises, 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 and promises. Aren't we the one who have uh, the promise from the one of promise that he said he'll stand behind his word and he'll confirm it with signs and wonders following? Can I hear an amen, church? Don't we have the word and the promise that is able to lift up and build and save all to the uttermost? That's us. George Whitfield, the famous English evangelist, said, Oh, Lord, give me souls or take my soul. Henry Martin, missionary, kneeling on India's sands, cried out, Here, let me burn out for God. David Brannard, missionary to the North American Indians, awesome book. Lord, to thee I dedicate myself. Oh, accept me and let me be yours forever, Lord. I desire nothing else. I desire nothing more. And the last words in his diary, seven days before he died, Oh, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Thomas Kempis, 1379, give what thou wilt and how much thou wilt and when thou wilt. Set me where thou wilt and deal with me in all things just as you will. D.L. Moody, use me then my Savior for whatever purpose and in whatever way thou mayest require. Here is my poor heart and empty vessel. Fill it in thy grace. And he went over a million to the Lord. Martin Luther, some of his great agony prayers as he prayed, Do thou, O God, do thou, God, stand by me, all the world's wisdom and reason. Do it, thou must do it, stand by me, thou true and eternal God. Praying hide, a missionary in India, Father, give me souls or I die. He actually died. I have his biography, all of these guys. He actually died of a broken heart. When they did his autopsy, his heart was enlarged and moved out of place because he would intercede and groan for the souls of India. Do you know in the magazine of Charisma this month, India is in revival? I believe India is in revival because of these people who gave their lives, who prayed and prayed to this man, praying hide. He would pray days and hours with no sleep. And he died young and his heart exploded and he died of a heart attack. But his heart was broken for the lost and for the needy of India. And I pray God moves on our hearts and make us cry and wail. And that even Tuesday nights and Wednesdays and when we can gather in our homes, we're crying out for the lost every time we can. And when we're on the street, I pray, as I shared this morning, that the most softest place when he says, take my yoke upon you means the most sensitive area. And he says, my yoke is to be sensitive towards the needs of others. Lord, give me Scotland or I die. John Knox. God, the sin of this city is breaking my heart. Samuel Hadley, New York. Let me burn out for God. And David Livingston said, I must open a way to the interior or I will perish. Hudson Taylor, I feel as if I could not live if something is not done for China. I'm very tired, General Booth said, but I must go on. A fire is in my bones, oh God, what can I say? Souls, 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 my heart hungers for souls. R.A. Torrey said, I would rather win souls than be the greatest king or emperor on earth. I would rather win souls than be the greatest general ever commanded an army. I would rather win souls than the greatest poet, novelist, literary man who would ever walk the earth. My one ambition in life is to win as many as possible. Oh, these things. 
to stir our hearts up. One of the stories I didn't get to this morning was a lady who was born a princess in a castle. 1913, I believe it was, and she was raised in a very rich home. And at 18 years old, she fell in love. She became an actress and fell in love with a, a, a movie maker and married him. A year later, they divorced, and then she met another movie director and married him and moved to America. A few late, late years later, they divorced, and she was so tired and so empty. She's had all the riches. She's lived in California. She had everything there was ever to offer, but yet she was empty until she met a man who was a missionary to China. And then she went, she says, now I have found my purpose. It wasn't in my childhood in the castles. It wasn't all the servants. It wasn't all the riches. It's in serving in these hospitals to the poor and the needy. It's not the latest things. It's not a bunch of stuff. It's serving people, loving people that brings true satisfaction, everlasting satisfaction in our hearts. Jesus saw the man hated but he was hurt, pain and loneliness. He was busy, but yet felt useless. Busy, but yet a life being wasted. Jesus saw a man who needed a savior and he didn't hesitate when he said, come and follow me. Matthew chapter 11. Let me read this to you. Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He didn't say, come unto me, all the perfect, all the ones who have it all together. Come unto me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I love the message. It says, walk with me and work with me. Say that with me. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I'll do it. Watch how I do it. I want to encourage you. I don't know if we're not going to study the life of Jesus Christ on Sunday nights. I've just been praying about it because I just want to walk with him. And the best way to walk with Jesus is walk through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and just walk with Jesus. And he's saying right here, walk with me, work with me, and watch how I do it. When Jesus is there laying hands on the little girl, I'm there laying hands on the little girl. When Jesus is, is going and he's feeding the multitude, I'm there with him watching him feed the multitude. I'm passing out the bread and I'm brassing out the fishes. And it says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace, the unforced rhythms rhythms of grace it's not by works i won't lay anything too heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly isn't that what everybody wants just listen let me give you these isaiah 118 come now let us settle this says the lord though your sins are like scarlet the worst of the worst all people see is the sins though they are red like crimson I will make them white as wool. You two just came out with their brand new CD, one of their songs, Magnificent, and they sing about the white lamb of God. Hosea 6, 1, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will, wind, he will bind us up, bandage our wounds. Can you imagine inviting a sinner to his house to meet his friends? I'm ready. How about you? I'm ready. They can have bud, jack, slits, cigarettes. They could spit in the air. And it won't matter. Not anymore. 
doesn't have to be perfect. It's the lost, and Jesus wants to visit them. I'm tired of us being a church where the stained glass windows of Jesus walking with the cross is facing the saints. It needs to be facing the world where the world is hurting and crying and dying. Jesus sought sinners out and didn't shy away. He felt comfortable with them. He accepted. He was able to eat with them. He was able to eat with who the church rejected to eat with. He was able to sit down and have conversation and love those that the church wouldn't have nothing to deal with. For years, you know what I've heard? Less stuff deliverance down their throat. You know what? You need deliverance. They know they need deliverance. The demons speak to them every night. Let's stuff this down there. Let's stuff that. No, how about just sit there and eat with them and just show them, man, I think you're great. I'm not saying we accept what they do, but we love them. And I'm not going to judge you. Because there's scripture that points back to me and says, even the measure you measure to judge them, I'm going to judge you. It's hard for so-called good people to understand. Oh, how could they do that? How disgusting. How could someone stoop that low? They're lost and they're dying in sin. That's how you can stoop that low. How could they have gone that far? Oh, there's probably stories there that if you'd listen, it'd break that hard, goody-two-shoe heart. They're hurting. They're crying, and they're miserable, and they're trying to find help, and they have not found it for years in many churches. But I want to be the living room of God to where they are going to find help and comfort in this place. Look at Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. You know, when we condemn someone, we hurt them more than we help them. Huh? Shared you with when my mom died. I get a phone call. Let me hear you shout victory. Oh, I didn't need that. I needed somebody to let me cry on their shoulders, what I needed, but that was negative. I'd sneeze and they hit me on the nose and cast the devil out because I sneezed. It was all that perfume they had on. It wasn't a devil. (laughs) Romans 2, 1 through 4. Listen to this. You may think you can condemn such people, but you're just as bad. And you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing such things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? 
How many know his kindness towards me? I can tell you right now, my God who's been kind and merciful to me is enough for me to know I've got to be kind and merciful to others. I don't want to fall in the snare. Many times we do. Oh, we're better than that. If we don't say it, we think it. Oh, how dare they come to church like that? How dare they act like that? That's not the type of church word of grace is going to be. Romans 5, 1 says, For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we all have been spiritually sick and need mercy. You know what God is saying? He went to the sinner's house. You know why? Because Jesus came to heal sinners. Well, guess what? We have built churches for the non-sinners. Everything is just right for the Christians. But we haven't built an atmosphere or have a message that is able to be understood by someone who's never been in church. They come to church and they hear an hour-long thing on picking up the offering, or they hear a message that they don't understand, or hear all these type of things, and it's real wonderful to the believer, but how about the non-believer? They may as well speak in tongues. And we've geared towards the already righteous and saved but how about the need of reaching and reaching to the level of the those who are sick? And he's saying, I went to the sinner's house and I wanted to minister to the sinners. Jesus says, I love them and I want I came for them. What well, I think he's asking us, can word of grace be a place where the sinners and the hurting can come and he can meet them here? And just like Jesus met with Matthew's friends and heal them and save them, can this church be the type of church where everybody can come and they can get something out of it and they can feel that God is here in this atmosphere and he's not here because we're so good and so perfect and the pastors are the most anointed and everything is just so good. He's here because we have allowed a place for someone in need to come and have an encounter with God and for God to meet the needy person there and heal them. He says, can you just have a place for me to come heal and comfort the people? I'm asking you tonight, can we? Can we be sweet? Can we be nice? Can we reach out? Can we go and look for somebody we know? Can we accept people as they are? Yeah, but you know... They're this and they're that. Yeah, I know we're not condoning sin. But you know what? If we don't receive them, how could they ever hear the truth and experience the power of God that is able to save? Amen, church. Matthew twenty twenty eight. the message translation says, that is what the Son of Man done. He came to serve, not to be served, and then to give his life in exchange for many who are held, listen to this, held hostage. Brother Chris, I read that word hostage. We used to be hostages, huh, brother? How many of you have ever seen movies about hostages? How many? I read that word hostage and my mind went crazy. How many have seen a movie where somebody's child's been abducted? And it's funny, they don't have $25,000 for this, but let somebody abduct their child and say, your child's being held at a ransom of a million dollars. On TV, how many of you know they always find that million dollars? 
because that's my baby, that's my child. Sell my house, sell this, sell anything you have to, but we got to come up with this money because my child is being held hostage. Well, listen, God looked down and he saw men and women. He saw sinners and he saw they're being held hostage. He's wanting us to see that many people are being held hostage. And he's saying, I paid the ransom, but now I want the SWAT team to get in there. And I want you to be willing to intercede and pray and fast and war and come against the principalities and powers and the spirits of darkness of this world. I want some believers to stand up in all this power you sing about and all this authority, dominion and might I've given you in my holy, precious name. But I want you to know that I, the holy, pure God, was able to go in the presence of sinners and I was not affected by the power of the sin, but that the purity in my life was able to penetrate into the darkness of these hostages and in the atmosphere of the sinner's decree in my name I have come to set you free that's what it's talking about I've come to release the hostages we will not say there's nothing we can do about this hostage situation we do not negotiate with hostages. Amen. We do not negotiate with hostages. Jesus never negotiated with a devil. Jesus said, come out. He didn't negotiate with demons. He gave demons orders. We have that same authority and dominion. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God is so rich in mercy. And He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Look, Titus chapter 3. Let me finish here. Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I love the living Bible. He saved us not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Because of his mercy. What's going to happen to these people as they come in, these precious souls as they come in? They're going to receive mercy and a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit, which he generously poured out on him. Now listen. According to what I found here on Matthew who the publicans and Democrats, who men called an outcast, not wanted, unclean, a betrayer. Matthew, this tax collector, that nobody wanted but Jesus, wrote the book of Matthew. Not only did he write the book of Matthew, you see, you never know what's in the person. He wrote out of the four Gospels. Matthew had more knowledge of the writings of the prophets than perfect loving John, than John Mark, 
and even Luke. It was this outcast, this sinner, who had more theology and who was able to write a book more guided towards the Jews because he wrote about the prophecies because this tax collector, even though he was a sinner, he had a knowledge of prophecy that the others didn't have. So you take the John who is the beloved, you take that person so full of love. But then you got Matthew over here who has some knowledge and some understanding, who had a praying mother, just ended up in the world. And then you take John Mark, who said he wasn't even good enough to be a minister. But later on, Paul said, let him come. And then he wrote the book of Mark. And then you take Luke, who was a doctor. Those doctors, all they want is your money. Sounds like a good preacher. And you take them, and you take us, and you take a divorced person over there, you take an adopted person over here, you take someone who's been strung out over there, you take someone who's been in relationships over here, and there is such a plan and a purpose, sight unseen but known to God who's going to be able to write some of the most awesome worship songs, be able to minister what you and they have inside of them can be something that will be spoken about from years on. You can't tell me after Nikki's cruise is gone, which she still has years left, they're still not going to be talking about Nikki Cruz and the switch, crossing the switchblade. They're still talking about Matthew. And if we would have known the old Matthew, many of us wouldn't have wanted had nothing to do until he would have wrote his book. Then we'd have said, can I have your autograph? But Jesus knew the old Matthew, but could see in the future who the new Matthew was going to be. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let's stand up and let's just stand up and praise God for it.